All right. I have a very important question for all of you guys. Hmm? When you first greet someone, what is the first thing that typically comes out of your mouth first? Highs. Highs? Yeah. Major. Highs. Major highs. Yeah. Yeah, that's not true. Come on, be real with yourself. Hello. Hello? You're asking me what? Honestly, do you how think How do you do? Honestly, do you think it's hello? I know myself. No. The first thing I say when the I greet someone. The first thing when you say when when you greet someone for the first time, if you see them at church or in passing, walking by, whatever. Either what hey say? or yo. Yeah. Yo. Yo. Hey. That's what you say. I say yeah. hey. Hey. Hey, man. I definitely say. I don't even know how I would go about it. Oh, oh well, what I do is, uh, I look a woman up and down, and I say, Hey, 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 hey. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? I had to start the show with this, bro. I don't know about the whole looking up the woman up and down thing, and I'm sorry for that. You know, I just, uh, now, when I walk by someone, I immediately have this beat in my head, and I go, how you doing? How you doing? It's pretty sick, You know what I mean? How you doing? I just, I heard that for the first time, and I didn't know that the woman up and down thing was there. Yeah. So I'm sorry about that. But <laughs> I'm definitely not sorry about the song, because when I heard it, I'm like, I have to bring that. You have to. To Bible Dance. You have no option. You have no other option. I had none whatsoever. But yeah. no, for real. I know for a fact that when I greet someone for the first time, I definitely say, how you doing? And and I only learned that about myself when him and I were at a company meeting and we were on um, like virtual meeting and I'm like, how you doing, guys? And one of them made fun of me instantly. He was like, hey, how you doing? Yeah. And I'm like, I literally cannot say that ever again in my whole life. Yeah. But Do you I'm remember that sh- meeting? I'm sure it hasn't no. changed, right? You're still saying No, it. now I go... Hey, how are you? Greetings. You know, <laughs> greetings from planet Earth. You know, I think I say how you doing more in formal settings. Or like with people that are a little older than me, I'll say, hey, how you doing? Uh-huh. You know, because it feels more, I guess, polite or something. But if it's somebody See, our age, I, I'm just I, like, I you. I consider it the polar opposite. It's like not professional. It's really not like respectful because I don't. I'm not really asking how are you doing. That's true. It's just like a hi. How you yeah. doing? Yeah. Hey. Well, I think Ryan, you're trying to say to connect with the older generation. That's you your say way. How you doing? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. But that but is the what younger I do with generation older to connect with them. He's like you're. Yeah. But the older <laughs> generation, he's like, how you doing? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. You yeah. gotta, you gotta connect with who you're speaking to. You yeah, because yeah. older people everybody. are usually Italian. I'm assuming they usually say, "How you doing?" <laughs> and the young, younger kids just mumble. Yeah, so you go, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, that's what yeah. I say to younger kids. Yeah, yeah, younger kids. Yeah. Totally, <laughs> I agree with you. They they sound like South Park, Sark, <laughs> South Park members. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I do have another question for you guys. Okay. When yep. was the last time you literally went to a sporting goods store? Literally or figuratively? I, I mean, go there I figure, all the time in my head. Figuratively. I okay. go there all the time. All the time. But I don't got money like that. Yeah. So in my head. I'm yeah. going to Walmart for sporting goods stuff. Mm. Or like I'm trying to get it on sale somewhere. Yeah. I almost never go to a sporting goods store. I went last year. Did you? Yeah, Alyssa and I picked up tennis rackets. Oh. For eighty-seven dollars, for about twenty, twenty-five each. I even okay. bought that on Amazon, like a month ago. Actually, they just built tennis courts over here. We should play sometime. Oh yeah, That'd I mean, fun. I'm I'm terrible, but we sh- we should play. Me too. Yeah, that's that makes it more fun. Yeah, I yeah. don't want to play somebody who's good. Right. You know, because no. it's just like you're just can we talk me. about how hard tennis is in reality? Yeah. Like we can. You can finagle football. You can make it work at basketball. You could swing a bat, but you cannot fake tennis. Yeah. There's no doubt. It's very sensitive. It is. Like you've just barely 
touch the ball with the racket and goes and it, flying. It flies through the next planet. It's true. Yeah. And so I overcompensate and try and hit it light, and then I don't even get it over the net. Yeah. So for me, I either don't get it over the net or I freaking rocket it to <laughs> Jupiter. <laughs> exactly. It, there's no in between. There's no happy medium with it's tennis. True. It's true. I'm either hitting home runs yeah. or I'm not hitting it at all. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, now I'm even more prone to not go to uh, sporting goods because like now like Dick's sporting goods and like other sporting goods stores are paying their employees to go and kill their babies. Mm. They're paying up to like five, six thousand dollars for like travel expenses. If you live in a state that made it illegal, Mm -hmm. Uh, they're paying out of pocket to just let you go. And what, what I find it like really messed up is that they're saving tons of money by doing that because it's, it's way cheaper to do that than it is to pay for a maternity leave. Yeah, hmm. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, that is a perfect segue <laughs> to perfect. Bible dingers ding How we start or no ding. Hey, 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 I'm Nick. I'm here with Ryan and Mark, and we are, we are oof. Bible dingers. We are Bible dingers, and we start each and every show with ding or no ding, where I come up with a news headline, and my friends here, Ryan and Mark, have to decide whether it's ding real or no ding fake, and then we go into the topic at hand, and today the episode is on 2nd Timothy. Mm-hmm. If you didn't know that already, by clicking on Second Timothy, you know it clear as day now. Ten but minutes here into we the are episode. <laughs> with the headline, are you ready for this? Yep. Mark, are you ready for this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kool-Aid man. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Dick's Sporting Goods in talks to change its name and hope to promote gender inclusivity. <sighs> Ding, real, no ding, fake. I mean, it could be inclusive already for trans, you know. <laughs> Oof. That is very true. <gasps> Oof. Don't, remember, don't say the answer until we hit the sound bite. But do you want me to repeat it so you can get it in your head? Yeah, I, I, I just barely even remember what you said. All right. Yep. Dick's Sporting Goods in talks to change its name and hope to promote... Gender inclusivity. Okay, I have my answer. Me too. All right. Hit that button, baby. Hit it. <laughs> to ding or not to ding? <laughs> that is the question. What uh, is the answer? What you got, baby? I think that that is no, no ding. ding. No That's ding? some classic yeah. B stuff right there, bro. Classic. Yeah? Yeah. All right, all right. You guys are right. I was almost positive that I was going to stump you guys because I made that one up all my really? own. Really? Yes. I did I'm not, very proud of you, bro. I did not grab that from anyone. I thought that from the top of my head. Honestly? Like, and, if I, and I had it in my head that if I transitioned from what sports, the Dick Sporting Goods did with abortion, you guys were almost buy into uh. the headline. And you still got it. Honestly, so, bro, I've never been more proud of my life. I am very proud I'm of myself. Super proud of you, bro. Right? That is like that sounds like Babylon B. Right? Hundred percent. I need bro. to send it to them. You need to apply. I do. You I do. do. And and I, you know what made me do that? I'm like all these years I've been stealing other people's headlines, and I drove past a Dick Sporting Goods, and it just it dinged on me, bro. It dinged on me. Freaking genius. Anyway, let's start the show. So I don't need a rose, but I might push a phantom that's right off the lot. I know I'm serving the father of time, and that's whether I got on a paddock or not. Canada goose for the cold, and they told me to count on my blessings. I counted a lot. Stashing my treasure in heaven where it'll get better, and no matter whether to ride. Yeah, KD the second, that's rapper, that's reverend. They started with Jesus, but I never left it. Think they protected, we tear down your hedges. I gave you the book, but you boys never read it. That song slaps, bro. I remember when it first came out. My man, no big deal. Bible dingers. It's a little slappy. It's a little slappy. It's a little slap happy. 
I do remember when we went to go see him, and I was not into him anymore at all. Yeah. And through the years, like I started liking him more and more. Yeah, it was a good show. It was like it was the beginning of a blizzard. Yeah. In New York, I think it was in Brooklyn, right? I can't yes, remember. Yes. Yes. It was in Brooklyn or something, and No Big Deal came out with One K Few and a couple other people. Yeah. That, and there was like nobody there. The girl rapper that looks that reminds me of Angie Martinez. I forgot her name. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. But. Uh, yeah, there was like there was like ten people there because we were yes. like it was about to blizzard that night, so nobody yeah. showed up. But it was fun. It was like it was like in a basement. It was a basement concert. Yeah, it, it was fun. I went to those in college. Basement yeah. concerts? Yeah, really dirty and kind of gross. That's like literally underground music. Yeah, yeah, literally. Well, they started from the bottom, so they figured. Let's go, upstairs. Let's go upstairs. <laughs> Let's keep going down. Um, do we have a soundbite for titles? Yeah. Oh, the turtles. Yeah, hit she that. Forgot form. about. I did forget. I'm a little tired, yeah, guys. Tired. Where are the turtles? All right. Diving into the title of the book, this book, along with the other pastoral books, Titus and Philemon, or as our boy Dwayne says. Philemon mm. are titled after the recipient of the letter. So that's why it's called Second Timothy. Because it was written to Timothy. Oof. Secondly. Hit me with that. How you doing? How you doing? This was chronologically. This, it was chronologically. How you doing in slow motion? No. This was chronologically the second canonical letter that Paul sent to Timothy, which is where the two comes from, smiley face. Ah. Ah. I like how you... uh, Ryan had to throw an emoji in there, and I wanted to describe it to you. Yeah. So that is where the second from 2 Timothy comes from. It was chronologically the second canonical letter that Paul sent to Timothy. Next up, there's a... An important question, and that is, that is, <laughs> who wrote this? <laughs> this guy over here with, you know what? I'm just going to pull up the iPad so that I can hit it. We need a magnifying glass over here. All right. Who wrote this? There is a serious debate on the authorship of the pastoral epistles in order to get an idea of the points and counterpoints. Why don't you go back? And I know this is a new episode and you're excited, so you clicked on the newest one. But if you didn't click on the last episode before this one, this will give you an idea of the points and counterpoints of as to why there is a serious debate on authorship for the pastoral epistles. All right? So 1 Timothy, give it a listen. Secondly, we stick with the classical conservative, evangelical view for most of these. And that is the view that Paul wrote all of the pastoral epistles towards the end of his life. So that is our view. That is uh, a majority of the churches that you go to, the conservative churches, are going to hold to that as well. And if you're wondering why, look at you and go back to First Timothy. Look at you. Next up, do we have something for the date? Yo, 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 when this was written. <laughs> yes, we do. I forgot about that one. Next up is date of authorship. If you accept that classical view that Paul wrote Second Timothy, then it was likely towards the end of his life and ministry. So we know that it was written at the end of his life, right before he died, right? <laughs> right before that. So it's maybe hours to days. Is that to how months. that works? We're not sure. It could have been seconds right before he died. He or even up. briefly after he died. Just yes. briefly. Yes. But no later than that. No later than right before he died. <laughs> Secondly, he was imprisoned in a Roman dungeon during the last stretch of his life, right before he died. <laughs> Before being beheaded. Ah. Oof. Ouch. Now we're getting into the so weeds. So before he died, he got beheaded. After he got beheaded, <laughs> then he died. That was the exact moment, actually. Yes. I, I think the I two called. coincided. Yeah. 
I think I think I called you on this. Did you? When when I was talking to my wife, and I'm like, you know, there are a lot of celebrities. You know, you have to get checked. You have to go to the doctor because there are a lot of celebrities that wake up dead. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. my wife thought it was like, and I said it by accident. Like I said it just like talking, like yeah. You know, we we're talking about like, um, like Bob Saget and all that. And I'm like, you know, we have to go get checked. He 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 probably didn't even know there was something wrong. Like, there's a lot of celebrities that wake up dead, and mm-hmm. she just dropped dead laughing. But she thought it was hilarious. Yeah, she didn't wake up after that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, she she woke up alive. Got it. I see. Thankfully, yeah, thank you. But Paul didn't because he was beheaded. Of course, Ooh. right before he died. Right. Yeah. And then after he was beheaded, then he died. Right. You get it. <laughs> I understand. So that. if you yeah. didn't understand that, <laughs> I hope that's very clear to you right now. Occur. <laughs> All right, early church tradition dates the beheading of Paul right before he died by Nero, just before Nero's suicide. (laughs) Now, I'm confused as to what happens when he does that. So, just in case you're slightly confused, let me clear the air. So, Nero committed suicide, and then he died. Paul... Got beheaded, Before. and then he died. Yeah. So this was in June. Yeah. Of AD sixty-eight. Okay, I see. So the beheading of Paul, just before Nero died, was in June of AD sixty-eight. It's a lot of great information here, guys. I hope you're taking this all in. Yeah. Write some notes. All right. Okay. In 2 Timothy 4.21, Paul urges Timothy to come see him before winter. Mm. So that gives us a general idea as to the date of authorship because he's literally telling you it's before winter. So that's why we say June, right? Well, you haven't read the last point yet. Well, I was going to. (laughs) That places the date of authorship sometimes in late summer to fall of A.D. 67. Mm. Mm. So the previous summer. June is not late summer, though. July, August. Mm. See, okay. He Nero died in June of A.D. 68. Mm. And Paul died not long before Nero died. <laughs> I'm trying not to get into the jokes part. I'm trying to get into the reels parts. Um, Paul died before Nero died in June of 68. And Paul tells Timothy to come see him before winter. Okay, so this is the winter before June of AD 68. You checking what I'm saying here? Yeah. Mm. And so he probably died in the late summer to the fall there before Timothy would have seen him that winter. You guys see what I'm saying there? I think so. Okay. Well, Paul wasn't seeing anybody at that late winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wasn't. And neither was Nero. Not without it was a, a head. cold, cold. <laughs> Paul was really ahead of the game. This is sick. How are you guys joking about that? You guys are sick. I was, oh, I'm it, not joking about too anything. too soon? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not over it. <laughs> hardest, oh. hardest day in my life. Back in 67. So, I was pissed in heaven. <laughs> what? I was up there like, no! <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. So, that was, if that wasn't clear, basically, this was written in 67 AD. Okay. That's all you need to take away from that. Okay, so next is the historical context section, which we still don't have a soundbite for, which is just atrocious. It's just unacceptable. You are listening to historical context. There you go. So we already gave a lot of context in the Ephesians episode for letters that are written to the Ephesian church, Um, but that was a long time ago. That was like an entire season and a half ago. And so I figured quickly, I'll just give you the historical context of the Ephesian church again. Uh, So the church in Ephesus was probably started by Priscilla and Aquila when Paul left them 
on his second missionary journey. He left him there in Ephesus. Um, and it was then firmly established by Paul when he went there on his third missionary journey. We see this between Acts 18 and 19. He spent three years in Ephesus pastoring that church. And then after he spent the three years there, he was imprisoned. And that's where we get the book of Ephesians in his imprisonment there. Later on, Timothy came in and pastored the church for about a year and a half. And this is the context of first Timothy is when Timothy came in for that short time and pastored. Um, and then second Timothy was also written to Timothy for the Ephesian church during his, his pastoral leadership there. And then actually 30 years later, John writes to the Ephesian church when he's writing revelation. Uh, and so we get to see a, a large portion of the Ephesian church's history when reading the new Testament and it actually helps when we're applying the scriptures to our life a lot uh, because we can see the progression of this church and some of the issues that it went through and how it resolved those issues and things like that. Uh, we see God speaking to this church through these books of the Bible uh, through, you know, throughout their growth. So it's pretty easy to apply it to our life. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. All right. And then Ephesus. Let's talk about the city of Ephesus. So Ephesus was located on the east side of the Aegean Sea at the mouth of the Caister River. And so that's currently Western Turkey. That's the European part of Turkey today. Uh, it was most known for its amazing temple of Artemis, which was actually one of the seven wonders of the ancient world up there with the hanging gardens of Babylon. And uh, what else is there? The... the the Zeus temple or something. The pyramids. I mean, the pyramids. All those good stuffs. The library at Alexandria. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. This yeah, I've been to all those places. Yeah. Have you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really wondered. You I took the train there? No, I walked. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. um, so it was also a major political and commercial center. The people there were highly educated. It was a lot like Alexandria, speaking of Alexandria. It was a lot like that city in Egypt. All right. And then lastly, I need you to know about Timothy for the book of 2 Timothy. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? That was yours. I forgot about that one. That's a good... That's a good. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I like that sound bite. I'm going to use that more. That is, yeah, that's great. That's that's perfect for that could be the historical concept. Oh yeah, that's perfect for that. I couldn't think of a better one. All right, so Timothy. Timothy was well versed on the Old Testament scriptures because they were taught to him from childhood by his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. It sounds like two ladies from like Boston or something. Eunice and Lois. I was gonna say Spider Man. Our Spider Man. Or Superman. No, Superman. Sorry. Superman. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Lois uh, Lane. Lane. Yeah. Yeah, Eunice, and Eunice, Eunice of course, of Eunice course, Lane, her cousin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, uh, Timothy's father was Greek, and some spe <laughs> some speculate that Timothy's father may have died before Timothy met Paul. Death has never been so funny to me before, bro. <laughs> bro, I'm dying right now. Yeah. Oof. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So, yes, his father was Greek, and some think that Timothy's father died before he met Paul, and that's potentially why Paul took such a father-like role in Timothy's life. Mm -hmm. um, Timothy was originally from Lystra, which is in the old Roman province of Galatia, which is also in modern-day Turkey, but it's more in the southeastern area. Um, and Timothy was likely saved during Paul's first missionary trip to Lystra, which is uh, talked about in Acts 14. And then on Paul's second trip to Lystra, he chose Timothy to accompany him on further travels. And we see that in Acts 16. Timothy was known to be a godly young man, and he accompanied Paul on a ton of trips in the future. He even spent time with Paul during Paul's house imprisonment in Rome, and Timothy eventually became the pastor for the church in Ephesus, as we all know, and that is why this book was Written. Nice. <coughs> Next up is the general <coughs> purpose of the book. 
Thank you very much, Ryan, no for problem. doing that. I appreciate it. No problem. I don't know what I would do without that. No problem. Anyway, the purpose of the book. So Rome burned in July of AD 64, and Nero turned around and blamed all the Christians for it. After that, the persecution of Christians became super intense, and many of the Christians during that time went into hiding. And a lot of the Christians didn't want to share their faith anymore. And they didn't want to spread their faith at all because they were scared of being tortured or killed. Mm. And Timothy was a part of that group of Christians that were scared. And he was tempted to become more passive about the gospel. So Paul was writing this letter to him in order to encourage him to keep the faith in the face of hardship. So a lot of this book, and we'll go through it during the outline, is Paul saying, hey, Jesus went through suffering. I went through suffering in his name. And it's pretty typical that all the Christians are going to go through some type of suffering. So in the face of all the stuff that you're going through in your life, keep the faith and stay loyal to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. So look at you. Next up is everybody's favorite part of the show. Hey. Fun facts. There are three fun facts about Second Timothy. There are only three. There's not a fourth fun fact. If there that would is be too much, that would be one too many fun facts. Yeah. There's only enough for three. You know why? You know what the number three means in scripture? It's the perfect number. That's what I'm saying. Perfect number of fun facts. So if you went to four, you would be forced to move into seven. Yeah, because there's no in between there. No. You definitely can't do six. No. Absolutely not. No. Three or seven. Yep. So for for this one, it's a short book, Second Timothy. So we keep it at three. For the longer books, we force them to seven. Even yeah. if there's no... They're just facts. At, at like six and seven, they're just facts. They're not even they're fun They're not anymore. fun anymore. Yeah, they're just like, oh, this book starts with T. Yeah. You know? <laughs> All right. The first fun fact is that Hebrews 13.23 mentions that Timothy was imprisoned at some point, but we don't have any other details on this imprisonment besides that verse. So Timothy did time. Ooh. He done did time. He got five to ten. Second, five to ten. He got five to ten. <laughs> the second fun fact. <laughs> the second fun fact is that Paul knew he was going to die after his current imprisonment. He knew he was going to die after he got beheaded. Just to be clear, <laughs> he was <just> snorting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Paul knew he was going to die during his current imprisonment in which he wrote this book. Got it. He says so in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. He said, look, I just recently got beheaded, and so any moment now, it's gonna I'm going to die. Okay, that's what 2 Timothy 4, yeah, 6 says. Yeah, some scholars said he wrote it with blood. <laughs> okay. And the third <gasps> and final. That was a final, little too deep, I think. A little too <gasps> dark. Third and final fun fact is that 2 Timothy is considered Paul's final canonical letter. So this is his final words that we have in the Bible. I wonder why. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, you guys know what time it is? It's outline time. Yes, sir. So if you open your Bibles, you'll see in chapter 1, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 is a salutation. And wait, before I dive in, I will say that this book has one, two, three, four points. Five points, Mark. I heard you the first time. Did you? Yeah. Mark. I'm giving you material. I'm giving you stuff. He's giving you material and expectations yeah yes (laughs) a lot of expectations insert expectations now here here five five 
Anyway, yes. Yeah, so chapter one, verses one and two is a salutation. Then it moves into thanksgiving for faithful fellow workers. And we'll break that down. That section has three parts to it. Basically, in chapter one, verses three and seven, it talks about Timothy's past faithfulness. So it talks about how Timothy had sincere faith. Uh, and it's seen first in his grandmother that uh, Ryan mentioned earlier. Lois. Lois Lane. Yeah, Lois. And his mother, Eunice. Eunice. Yeah, Eunice. Eunice Lane. Eunice. She's from Brooklyn. <laughs> Lois and Eunice. Yes. Yeah, I didn't okay. realize Timothy was also from Brooklyn. <laughs> hey, Eunice. Yeah. Eunice, can you get Lois for me? <laughs> Tanks. Tanks. Yes, the next part of Thanksgiving for Faithful Fellow Workers. I like saying that a lot. Yeah. Thanksgiving for Faithful Fellow Workers. Faithful Fellow Workers are charges to remain loyal in chapter 1, verses 8 through 14. And that's basically broken up to exhortation to be courageous and exhortation to guard the gospel. So in chapter 1, verses 8 through 12, Paul is saying, don't be ashamed. Share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And this is what we talked about earlier. Stay loyal to the truth, no matter the cost. So no matter what you're enduring in your life, no matter how much persecution you have to go through, share in the suffering. In other words, Christ suffered, so we share in that. And we suffer for the gospel, no matter what we have to face in our lives. Then the next exhortation is to guard the gospel in verses 13 and 14. Basically, to wrap that up really quickly, it says, don't support and teach false teaching. Um, so there's so many people that don't want to speak out against false teachers. Um, Paul has something to say about this here talk out against it and make sure you teach truth. But at some point in this book, he also tells you how to do that. Mm. So we don't, so if you just take one verse, you can become a super heresy hunter mm. and say, all I'm going to do is call out false teachers at every corner because Paul is telling me to, but that's because you stopped reading at verse 14, oh, and you didn't understand how Paul is telling you to do it later on in the book. We will get there, but if you cut it off here, I want you to, let, I want you to know that Scripture instructs us to be humble, to be kind, not to be arrogant, and to do it in a way where we can actually sit down and have a respectful conversation about it. All right, um, next up are the examples of faithful and unfaithful service in chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. I'm going to attempt to say these names here, and I thought it would be funny to not look it up beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Paul uses two examples for two individuals that were allies who left him when the, Ro when the Romans arrested him. Who were these individuals? And they were, they were really close to him. Yeah. And he was super shocked that these two individuals <laughs> would just bounce on him. Uh. And that would be unfaithful. And their names are Figulus <laughs> and Hermogenus. Figulus <laughs> and Hermogenus. First, you have Eunice. You have Lois. Lois. So I, I had to... I had to make them sound, because they're all from Brooklyn here. Figulus. So, hey, Figulus, <laughs> Hermogenus, Eunice, Lois. They really love their isses. They do. They love their isses. And uh, I just wanted to make sure that they all felt like they were a part of one family. When I read it, I was thinking, no, it's Philegus. Philegus. I think it's Philegus. Philegus? I think so. Well, the wrong. G comes before the L, so it's probably Figelus. 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 Wait, I have to look this up. And then there's Hermogenes. And Hermogenes. Her <laughs> I think the second one is easier. I think that one's Hermogenes. 
Hermogenes. Yeah, because that's how Greeks, they do the E's at the end, the Hermogenes. Yeah. You know, Socrates, uh, Aristarchus. It sounds like they did the S's. Yeah, they did the E's and the S's. Yeah. What verse is this? So here, (laughs) Mark, you are to insert how these two names are to be properly pronounced. Do you understand? Do you get your job? Do you understand? I see Hymenaeus. No, 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 no. no. It's uh, verses 15 through 18. Chapter one, verses fifteen through eighteen. Okay, this is the this is the crux of the book here. You guys really, we need to take some time on this. Phygelles. Oh, I'm in First what? Timothy. Phygelles. 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 I don't know. Phygelles. Oh, I, I like Phygelles. Oh, we got Phygelis. one in the next verse too. Yeah. Were you going to say that one too, Nick? Uh, no. <laughs> My job is just to give you a general understanding of the passage. And you your understand. job is to open the Bible and read it yourself. Ah. So go ahead and read those two names. DM me and record yourself saying these names for the first time. Ah. And let me know that you remember them forever now. I like that. Anyway, point three of this book uh, is exhortation to preserve in chapter two. And the first part of that section in chapter two is titled Charge to Endure Hardship. As you can see, this is a reoccurring theme for Paul, and this is generally the purpose of the book. So he repeats himself quite a few times here. But in the first 13 chapter, I mean the first 13 verses, uh, he basically has three overall points. Timothy's duty, the examples of Jesus and Paul, and a popular saying. So Timothy's duty is verses 1 through 7. And Paul is instructing him to be strengthened by God's grace and share in the suffering as a soldier for Jesus Christ. And then we see the examples of Jesus and Paul in verses 8 through 10. So basically, Jesus risen from the dead, who Paul suffers for, and Paul suffered himself. So we have the example of Paul who suffered. We have the example of Jesus who suffered. So he's sharing these two examples to Timothy because Timothy is worried about suffering. And Paul's like, if Jesus himself could suffer for you, how could you not in him endure the same? Okay. Do you know the popular saying? Because it's truly popular. Yeah. I mean, everyone says it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Do you guys know what it is? How yeah. you doing? How you doing is definitely, definitely popular. How you doing? Yeah. But what is the popular saying? It's lit. It's lit. Yeah. Or maybe it could be... Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's what the kids are saying now. Yeah. But what are some other things that kids are saying? Uh, I got... I got that... <laughs> <laughs> That was that was right off the top, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, in his day, this popular saying was more like a paragraph. Okay. So the saying wasn't really a saying, like "How you doing?" It was more of like a talking. This is like a popular speech. Yeah. (laughs) Paul is pretty much saying this is what's popular here. (laughs) If we die with him. We also live with him. If we endure, we reign with him. If we deny him, he denies us. Oh, I remember when people used to say that. Bro, people say it all the time. All the time. You guys live under a rock. <laughs> like, for real. I love when people say that. Wait, Dude. you left out the best part. Which is what? Right after that, after he denies us. What's the best part? It says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Ah. Verse 13. Ah, that's true. That's the yes. best part of the, the saying. Yeah, sure. yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Thanks for that, Mark. I appreciate it. I mean, I'm not joking, but yeah. No, no. Yeah. He remains faithful. Yeah. It's true. Uh, yeah. If, if, if we endure, we will reign with him. And that's, that's definitely a theme that we see all throughout scripture. And people are kind of confused at that. So I figured I'd take a moment to explain. If we're in heaven and there is no suffering, there is no destruction, there is no death. We are essentially kings and queens. And the people who are behind on earth, 
who hated God, we reign over them um, as as heirs of Christ. So um, you're not going to be over God, but in a sense, uh, when you pass on to the next life into eternity with God, you will be a king and queen um, because of the experience of your new life in the presence of God. Um, but with that comes faith. You need to believe in him. And that's where the gospel comes in play. Because if you don't believe in truth, he will deny you. And even, But even when you are faithless, God is still faithful. Um, so God is still... God is still watching over you. He's still, he's still God. He's still creating, you know, well, not creating in the sense of making new creation, Uh-oh. but he's still, Uh-oh. he still loves he's you. He's still providential. You know, he still loves you. He's still God. But I don't want you to take that verse and say, I don't need faith because God's still faithful. So I, that's kind of why I didn't, because in a short sentence without explaining it, someone could take it out of context, and I don't want that. I want you to have faith, because if you don't, he will deny you if you deny him. But he's faithful in the sense that he still remains God, even if you don't believe in him. Um, I think that's better said that way instead of what I tried to say before. Anyway, uh, next up is the charge to remain faithful in verses 14 through 26 of chapter 2. Faithfulness in public ministry, faithfulness in personal life, And then some summary applications. So faithfulness in public ministry in verses 14 through 18, uh, Paul is saying to avoid useless talk that opposes God. Mm. So this is a section where I was saying when applied to the other section, you can learn how to correct false teachers. Um, So is it edifying and is it glorifying to God in the way that you are discussing matters of the faith? If you find that it is glorifying to God and it's edifying others, please, by all means, continue it. Next up is a faithfulness in personal life in, in verses 19 through 21. In short, basically, he's saying, Paul is saying to live holy. Uh, and then the summary applications in verses 22 to 26 of chapter 2, he's telling us to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace and let's not be quarrelsome. And when we correct, let's correct with gentleness. How many of us can say that when we correct false teachers, we're doing it with gentleness? Man. So um, that's not to say let's not be stern. That's not to say let's not be confident in the truth. And that's not to say let's not be bold. But is our heart intent to be gentle like, I'm coming into this not to fight, but to teach. But is our original intent just to fight? Mm. And I think that's what I want to say here. When you're coming into it, come with a gentle heart. Even if you're saying some hard words, even if people don't want to hear it, are you coming in to teach or are you coming in to fight? And I think that's what Paul wants you to take home with this passage, as well as Timothy to take home during that time as well. Awesome. All right, well, you guys thought you were done with me, but you're not. We're just getting started. Dang it. Oh. We're just getting started with this book. Daddy loves docs. All right, so there are two more sections, sections four and five. The section four covers chapter three into early chapter four. Am I crazy loud right now? No. No, no you just used to me being oh, very low. The sound bite, low. sound bite was quiet. I see. I see. You know what's coming? Action is coming. That is true. There's going to be a lot of action here in chapters three and four. Um, so he starts off in chapter three talking about the characteristics of the quote last days, and then at the end of chapter three into the beginning of chapter four, he talks about. Uh, the conduct that we should have in the, quote, last days. I wish I had, it's the final <laughs> countdown. Yeah, I wish you had that too. Remember that? Yep. Um, so let's start with the characteristics of the last days, and that's in verses 1 through 13. 
Essentially, the idea here is that the last days are going to be godless. And in verses 1 through 7, the godlessness we see is evidenced by faithlessness. Um, I'm just going to read it super quick. It's actually really short verses uh, because I think it actually describes a lot of our culture. Um, it says that they will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Bruh. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much. Well, I mean, that's pretty much everybody who's godless for all of yeah. eternity. <laughs> for but sure, it's just sort of like a. It's a nice mirror to look at our own selves, mm-hmm. our own culture. And mm-hmm. I think it, it very. When I was reading it, I was like, "Is Paul alive today?" I mean, yeah. So that's verses one through seven, and then in verses eight through thirteen. Sorry. In verses 8 through 13, Paul lists out some negative and positive illustrations uh, of of people with these characteristics. He lists out Janus and Jambres as people that display the negative behaviors that he listed. So he's by name saying that these people are godless and faithless. And then he contrasts these people with Timothy saying that Timothy is an illustration of positive living of a, of a godly person. Okay. So that's the beginning of chapter three. And then the end of chapter three into early chapter four, like I said, Paul talks about the conduct that we should have in these quote last days. Paul is instructing Timothy essentially how Timothy should be acting. And then also uh, in retrospect, how you and I should be living Uh, And he starts it with adherence to the truth in verses 14 through 17. He says that all scripture is breathed out by God in this section, very uh, famous verse. And he says that we need to abide by it and allow it to direct our lives essentially. And then he follows that up in the first few verses of chapter four um, by saying that Timothy needs to be proclaiming the truth. He's, He's exhorting Timothy to teach and preach the truth and stand firm in it. And this is another really famous verse. He says that many will fall away from sound teaching and will want their ears to be tickled by false teaching. Uh, So two two famous verses back to back there. Yeah. It's different than the famous saying, though. Very different. Yeah, these are, yeah, very, very different. Two completely different things. (laughs) All right, and then Paul talks about his role in the center section of chapter four. Basically, he's talking about how his time is almost up. And he's been poured out like a drink offering, he says, and that he has fought the good fight of faith. And we can see here in these verses that he is preparing to depart this present world. He's sort of setting up Timothy to say, I'm at the end of my life here. Uh, It's your problem now. You know what I mean? Mm. That's definitely what he's saying. Yeah. All right. So that is the fourth section. And the fifth and final section is verses 9 through 22 in chapter 4. And uh, this is an easy read here. This is just Paul's uh, concluding instructions and information and things like that. Uh, Verses 9 through 15, I actually love, uh, sort of in a joking way, but I also actually love it because it really shows Paul's human side. Um, Basically, in these verses, Paul gives an update on what's going on with some familiar names that you should know by now if you listened to last season. Tychicus, Titus... Uh, and some uh, Onesimus, some of these people that you you should know by now. Uh, And he also warns Timothy to watch out for somebody named Alexander the coppersmith. Um, Alexander opposes their message and did Paul great harm. Okay. And then in verse 13, this is sort of the crux. Okay. This is the crux of this section here. Second Timothy four, verse 13. He tells Timothy, when you come to see me, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus, also the books, and above all, the parchments. Okay, so he's telling Timothy, I forgot my jacket and my books. Please, when you come see me, remember my jacket, please. Mm. I left it there. He's so human. He's so human. So human. So human. We all leave jackets and books all over the place all the time. Oh, yeah. 
All right. And then finally, the last couple verses is Paul's preliminary hearing in court. And basically, he uh, <clears throat> just mentions here that he was deserted by his friends during his hearings. And then he just says like a little highs at the end to Priscilla and Aquila and the Lord be with you, et cetera, et cetera. And he's closing out here. And that's uh, pretty much it. Yes, sir. And, you know, there's some good names in these last three verses that I wish Nick could read to us. I think he can. Sure. Nick, can you read verse 19 to the end? Absolutely. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, <laughs> who was ill at Miletus. 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 Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you. Ah. As do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the oh, brothers. Oh, Claudia. I know Claudia. The Lord be with you, Erastus, Trophimus, Ill, Miletus, no, Eubulus, <laughs> Pudens, Linus, and Claudia. The Lord be with you. Grace be with you. Did you think that Ill was a name? Huh? You said Ill like it was a name. Eubulus. No, never mind. What am I missing here? Did I say ill? He's, he's <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was just going through the verses. <laughs> I-L-L. <laughs> That's a pretty good one, though. I like that name. Yeah. I named my next kid ill. You know, you did a good job, Nick. Bro. Those No, I was saying those names are ill. You know what I mean? Ah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, Claudia. Okay. Anyway, that those were Paul's final greetings. And these are mine. That was our episode on the book of Second Timothy. And we do hope you learned a little bit about the book. And we encourage you to open your Bibles and to read it yourselves. Anyway, if you never heard about us, you don't know who we are, make sure you go on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And we are at, at Bible Dingers across the board and while you're there just give me the likes don't pass and scroll don't pass the scroll hit subscribe hit like hit follow and most importantly ding on yeah sent the track i told him boy i'm on I done met some people made me question motives let's go in this tricky tricky embrace the dean it's only when you I've been grinding ever since 2010 Back on Lafayette, I ain't never been basic